discovered a lot between the three of us when we recorded the first season because we didn't realize actually how much all three of us love particular exercises and mm. why we love it. It was only because we sat chatting about it we realized actually, oh, that's why we love it. And that's, yeah. you know, these ones that we love more than other exercises, like Plies was a total. It was almost like an orgy of love, wasn't it, between the three of us <laughs> and a <the> ballet exercise? <laughs> <laughs> episode number 58 of the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, everyone. I am your host, Georgia Canning, ballet teacher, studio owner, podcaster, and founder of the Balanced Ballerinas community. You can join this wonderful community over on Instagram at Balanced Ballerinas and also on Facebook. Just search Secret Balanced Ballerinas Facebook group to join in the conversation and I guess bask in our mutual love of all things ballet. Before I go any further, yes, I sound a little bit odd because I have somehow lost my voice from teaching a lot this week. So I'm holding on and I should be able to get through this intro. (laughs) Now, in the last episode, I did a call out for voicemails and was so glad to receive some really beautiful messages, which I'll be sharing on the next episode. I love hearing from people within the BB community and it's all the more special when it's a voice memo. So if you've just finished class and maybe need to debrief, send me a little voicemail. Want to share why you love ballet so much? I would love to hear your answer. Or do you want to request a guest or topic for the podcast? It's so simple. Record on your smartphone a voice memo and email to hello at balanceballerinas.com for a chance to be featured on the next episode. Now, today you don't just get one podcast host, you don't even get two. Instead, you have four podcast hosts all chatting about their love of ballet and music. Yes, that's right. The team from the Ballet Piano Podcast have crossed over from London to Australia to be guests on the Balanced Ballerinas podcast today. I came across their podcast towards the end of last year and I must admit I completely fell in love with its content, its vibe and just the wealth of information. It's truly an amazing educational resource for anyone interested in ballet but especially as a ballet teacher I found myself I guess really nodding along and learning and bringing more musicality knowledge into my classes. Um, And I guess I have the Ballet Piano podcast to thank for reminding me that students really find this kind of thing very interesting. And personally, I think it develops a more wholesome ballet education for students. So I guess to say that I was excited to talk to Akiko, Chris and Matt would be an understatement. Matthew Gregory has been a freelance pianist for the past 12 years and has worked for English National Ballet, Birmingham Royal Ballet, English National Ballet School, London Contemporary Dance School and the Royal Ballet School, just to name a few. Akiko and Chris Hobson have very similar credits and are both married and met through the profession, which is very adorable. You can find Chris's ballet class albums, Modern Ballet Studio Melodies on Spotify. They are superb and I use them all the time when teaching. And Akiko also works full-time as a ballet piano accompanist and shares the most glamorous venture into this world during our conversation. Now, before we dive in, there was one part of the conversation that 
truly sort of jumped out at me. The team noted that it was only when they started sitting down to record their episodes that they realised how similar their thoughts and feelings and I guess issues and passions were when it came to playing for class. It's funny, isn't it? We always think we're alone in our thoughts or battling with the same challenges when really we're all experiencing very similar, if not the exact same, things. And this is why... I think conversation is so important and this is why I love podcasting, why I love sitting down with people in the ballet world because shared conversation and experiences just make us feel a little less alone in the world. Now, I have to quickly apologise. This was the first time I had ever interviewed multiple people at once for the pod. I found this to be quite challenging, let alone the additional layer of trying to conduct the interview via Zoom. So bear with the occasional overlap in chatting whilst we talk over one another occasionally because the content is just so worth it. Now, as the team from Ballet Piano Podcast say, let's lift the lid on dance accompaniment. I am, like I said to Matt before when we were waiting for you two to get all glam, um, <laughs> I am just really like beyond thrilled to be sitting down <laughs> with you guys, even though it's via Zoom. I'm with Matt Gregory and Chris and Akiko Hobson from the Ballet Piano Podcast. Woohoo! Um, woo <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, Akiko, when you said hello before, I feel like I've said I feel like I've heard you say hello like that so many times in my car that I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you have to have think- such a particular way of saying it. You do. You've got a, you've got a podcast. Hello. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Do it again. It's so cute. Hello. Go again. That's it. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> I I came across your podcast um, towards the end of last year and I must admit, guys, I threw out all my regular listening and I binge listened from start to finish over, you know, like a week because season one, you have structured it for those that haven't listened yet in a way that it goes right through an entire ballet class from, you know, plie right through to reverence and you talk about how you make the music for each particular um, exercise and which for someone, especially a beginner, I think is really awesome. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked because I'm just that in love with it. Um, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I recommend it to everyone. I wanted to start off by, because it's such a niche niche profession that you guys are in, I'd love you to share a little bit about how you even got into it, in, you know, to begin with. I mean, our listeners, our podcast listeners will know that I am a trained dancer as well. Um, and I've, I've always been a musician, but I've always been a dancer. And then I sort of trained professionally in musical theatre. Um, and then when I was 21, having played the piano through my teenage years, um, the college that I trained at in musical theatre were looking for pianists to play for the dance classes. And I just graduated and then it was, you know, auditioning for musicals and dance jobs and cruise ships and all the rest of it. And whilst I was doing that, I needed something to do that was going to earn me some money, you know, either wait tables or usher or do everything that all, you know, actors do. And so the college that I trained at were looking for pianists and I didn't know how to play for a ballet class. My, my technique of playing the piano was really terrible, so limited. 
And with their help and guidance, I spent five years there on staff. And I, over the five years I worked there, built up my repertoire, got my technique better, played for tap classes, singing classes, ballet classes, you know, in, in the school performances, you know, just, just played as much as I, as I could whilst going off and, and doing stage jobs in musicals and stuff. So for about five years, I was there. And then I started, I was good enough, I thought, to start freelancing um, in London, which is what I did. Yeah. And so, it was yeah. probably far better money than waiting tables, I'm guessing. It was, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was better money. You know, it, it's been a seductress. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funny because your way into it, Matt, was quite unique, I suppose, wasn't it? So, like, it's, I think I followed a more traditional path, didn't I? Sort of like the musician you, who didn't really know where he was going and what he was going to be doing. So, like, I was you, in between education. You I two both have, you know, you've done the conservatoire route, which, you know, you'll talk about in a minute. But I just come at it from being a dancer. So... But you know, you both you both formally trained as pianists. Oh, go on, Akiko. You need to tell your story now. I actually love <laughs> Akiko's story, and Akiko's story is much more impressive than you two because not only did she have to learn like ballet terminology, you had to learn English. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you're saying, yeah. And so I already have the terminology. <laughs> I'm still learning English. <laughs> From my son now. <laughs> yeah, I came to England to initially study master's degree. And uh, while I was learning music in English and English as well, um, through my friend, I met uh, a boy. Well, he's my best friend now, Yoshi, who dances in Joffrey Ballet in Chicago now. Uh, he was a student at the Royal Ballet School at that time. And because he's Japanese, he didn't have parents to watch him on the parents' day. So I went along to watch him uh, with my friend who was friend with him at that time. And then I was like, oh, you want a bicycle? Like, it's not posh, it's not nice. I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't expect anything. <laughs> I just thought it's just some such a fun event one Saturday, you know, morning. <laughs> I went along and I just watched a bicycle first time in my life at that day. And I just fell in love. Uh, not to mention the teacher was very good looking, but <laughs> <laughs> the pianist was amazing. And then, the, of course, in the Royal Ballet School students, they were just amazing. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I can do this. So that evening, I just went home and I, I made my very first English CV. And I just sent my horrible thing. TV. I didn't even ask anybody to check. So it was horrible. I sent everywhere. I said, I need a work experience. And then within a year, I started getting like work after work. Um, yeah. And then when I noticed after a year, I had quite enough work to live. <laughs> it's so good. I love that I your first ballet class that you ever attended was at the Royal Ballet School. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> you are so posh. You are yeah, posh, Akiko. She's bougie. Yeah, so when I, when I was invited to play for other, you know, when I started my work and then, you know, I was asked to go to any other studio and it's not as beautiful as well, ballet school. Oh. And then, you know, the studio can be very dirty. Everybody's sweaty. And I was like, this is not what I imagined. 
you saw the penis on a Steinway in your first class, and then yes, you came yes. in with the, the upright Daneman in the corner. You know what? That's so funny you say that because when I was a young student training and I dreamed of being in the Australian Ballet, and when I got into the Australian Ballet School, I went down, and obviously everyone in the school dresses immaculately. But then we also had the pleasure of being able to see the company members in class. And I remember my yeah. first time standing there and someone walked past and one of the teachers and went, it's mesmerizing your first time, you know, watching, isn't it? And I remember thinking, actually, I'm thinking, why do they all look so grungy and dirty? <laughs> <laughs> That's such I, a ballet look, isn't it? Yeah, I expected, I expected as like a young one when I saw the professionals that they would look like me, like just all like immaculately dressed, <laughs> like the yeah, students. <laughs> not the hair out of place. <laughs> I was in shock. But anyway, um, Chris, you've been playing for over 17 years now as a ballet pianist. And I, we should actually also say that you are Akiko's husband, for those that don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, what date is it today? As we record this, it's the 15th, isn't it, of... February. February. So we met for the first time five years ago tomorrow. That's the first wow. time we met. You didn't know that, Akiko, did you? I remember this. Just because I've got a weird memory for things like that. So ever so slightly rain man for dates. Anyway, but yeah, so we thought <laughs> we met when I moved to London, which was five years ago tomorrow. Creepy. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Akiko, I feel like that's not the response Chris wanted. I feel like he wanted, oh, Thanks, Dar, for remembering. <laughs> Their dynamic is so funny. If listeners, if people have listened to the podcast, you'll know it's mostly about playing for ballet class. And we talked to David about how he sets exercises. And then the rest of it is almost like therapy for Akiko and I. So you get a little insight into our marriage as we go along, especially for the episodes we recorded during sort of like lockdown in 2020. But when I met you, you thought I was, I was a weirdo, yeah? Well, yeah, because I walked into the staff room. I didn't know the school was understaffed. And then the first thing I saw was this beautiful lady basically just come on me and jump and give me this massive hug. And go, oh, we're so happy you're here. And I was like, this is not the welcoming I expected. And then the next thing was, do you want to go and play a ballet class? <laughs> no. So we were understaffed. We were understaffed. I thought I was literally walking like eight hours nonstop every day. So I just wanted another staff to join us as soon as possible that day yeah anyway oh. i thought and it was so like you... good luck it turns out it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> and so how and so how did you get started chris well i was technically on a gap year between finishing music school and hopefully going off to music college and i didn't really have a lot of work and i was doing uh, bits and bobs i found out about an opening for a pianist at contemporary dance school in leeds up in the north of england i was like I can improvise. I, you know, I was a classical musician and a jazz. I was I'm sure I could give it a go. And I went and they must have been really understaffed because I didn't know what I was doing. And they offered me a job. <laughs> Great. And it was playing the piano. And at the time, it was 2003, I think it was. And the rate was, sorry, in British pounds, was I think it was 14 or 15 pounds an hour at the time, which was mm, a great. really, really good rate for a 17-year-old. Like, to bear in mind, sort of like the government standard wage if you work in a shop was about £3.50. And I could get a job yeah. playing the piano for 14, 15 pounds an hour, not knowing what I was doing. It was brilliant. And then from there, I got into the ballet side of things, doing schools and companies. And then I'm still you know, 17, nearly still 18 years later on this fictitious gap year that I might one day go back and earn a degree, which <laughs> you never know, I might do one day. 
I do talk about retiring sometimes. All that? I don't think so. It's been a long time. Now. <laughs> I um do you think it was easy do you think it's easier playing for contemporary over classical like maybe because you were first starting was there more improvisation it was less do you think that was easier yeah I mean it, it always it all seemed to be about the rhythms at the time that's how I got into it that's what I enjoyed and it was you know at the time when Jamie Cullen was a big guy you know he was big in the jazz world, so there was all this hitting the piano and making noise and rhythmic structures <laughs> so I was trying to sort of like Hit a djembe Lovely or a yourself on Jamie the piano Cullen. at the same time. Yeah, I was like, I could be the contemporary muso version of Jamie Cullen, which it didn't happen. <laughs> I became a classical ballet musician instead. But you know, it was a nice way to start off, and it was a lot of fun, and it was it was a different way into playing for ballet. Yeah, which was nice. I used like, to have how a more um, about it now. Yeah, I used to have a pianist um, when I was at Aussie Ballet School, and he would uh, he played for our contemporary classes, and he would get so carried away that we'd all fi- had finished and we were standing there waiting for the next instruction from the teacher and the teacher would have her hands on her hips and she'd be looking at him and he'd just be playing <laughs> away and, and she'd have to walk over and knock on the piano and be like, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd hear just this little like trail, this little like do, 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 like <laughs> just, yeah, just slowly coming to a stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he would be so angry that he wouldn't slowly come to a stop. He'd just go, <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um I wanted to quickly ask before we go any further, now that we've spoken to all three of you and we've got a bit of a background, where's hashtag David Yao of Instagram? <laughs> oh. oh bless you, bro. David So in the UK as we record, we're still on lockdown, so we haven't had schools open since the back end of last year. So we're working a little bit online on zoom but not too much david bless him he's teaching three and four classes because he's got students everywhere from america through to new zealand and everywhere in between so wow. david's on a week off at the moment good a well-deserved he's having week much off. needed r and r yeah we we call <laughs> we call him the chairman he sort of keeps us disciplined we call him the oh, chairman. Yeah. <laughs> like, the episodes yeah, he's... recorded without him tend to be a bit of a free-for-all then yeah <laughs> They're the best, though. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to very sort of quickly, although I don't think we'll do this quickly, I wanted to sort of go through almost like a mini version of season one. I wanted to throw out some different exercises from class and I would love you to jump in, whoever wants to answer, perhaps your favourite piece to play for those exercises. I know you do that in season one, but I wanted to do like a mini version of it, if that's all right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go, Akiko. What's your favourite piece to play for warm-up? Warm-up? I don't really know. The warm-up <laughs> is kind of an exercise that I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, for warm-up? I don't know, a, a bit of a go-to, you play this, Chris, Georgia on my mind is a bit of a go-to for me. Yeah. Something jazzy, something smooth, something either in 3-4 or 2-4 or 4-4, four, four, as long as it's smooth and relaxed. So like a jazz yeah. standard, I'll play Georgia on my mind or something like that, or Misty or something, something that's just nice and expensive sounding and bougie yeah. and, and gushy. Like a Tico. And, Yes, she's bougie. Thank you. <laughs> Something well, very I, I I approve of Georgia on my mind. Good song, guys. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's so lovely. Um, what about you, Chris? Would that be if your go-to four, as well? Four four. Yeah, 
4-4 warm-up, Georgia on my mind is the go-to for me because you can put so much space into it and it's not intrusive, it's not too loud, but you can you can have fun with it and you can really fill it out. Yeah. So for a 4-4, that's my go-to. A 3-4 is the Rainbow Connection for me from the Muppets movie. And I don't know uh. why, but I really like <laughs> it as a little warm-up. And I don't know if it's the same thing. You can jazz it up and you can let it breathe. You can put space into yeah. it, but it doesn't yeah. sound too sparse. It's not intrusive, but it, it's a nice way in. Mm. And also, if you don't know the company or the school or the dancers you're playing for, you can play those tunes and you're likely not to offend anybody. So it's a good sort of way to <laughs> suss out. You can look who's smiling and you can read the room from a sort of very safe warm-up for me. Yeah. I always keep my warm-ups in a major key, something that's happy. Yeah. It's the first exercise at the bar. Nothing yeah. too heavy in terms, of, if heart, in terms of harmony as well. So just keep it yeah. happy. Yeah, mm. you don't want any themes that are too heavy. Rainbow Connection sounds good. <laughs> yes, the Muppets. <laughs> I, I sometimes play a cabaret, you know, maybe this time. Oh, yeah. yes. And some people, oh. yeah, some, some people find it really funny. Some people <laughs> like a sing-along, though, in a war yeah. oh, yes. you know If you know the company and you know the teachers, if you want to get people on side, you can do a sing-along, but you've got to know maybe you gotta read the know room. what you're playing for first. Yeah, yeah. read the room. And what about plie? Who wants to jump in? Oh, I love playing for plies. Um, plie's fun. Um, Cavatina from The Deer Hunter by John Williams. It's so pretty. Yeah, it's one of like my Cavatina. faves. And segue Chris, into the Asher Con Farewell or Ash Con Farewell. Dee, 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 dee. Segues really nicely between Cavatina. For me, plies is... Big Ed is my queen medley because I really <laughs> like Oh, it. the queen medley. It's infamous. The queen medley, which has been done to death over the last seven or eight years, but it was done for a friend for his ballet assessment. He's sadly no, sadly no longer with us. But whenever I play it, it reminds me of him and the fun times that we always had over you know, in different studios in different counties around the UK. So that's, that's my go-to for plies. My go-to is, uh, is it Love Affair, was it? Yeah. That I put on the CD <laughs> because that's my favorite <laughs> one. Thanks to my colleague, friend Juan. Thank you. It was his idea actually uh, for one of his assessments, but I think that I love most. And what about like a tondu jeté, guys? For a quick jeté, I like this sort of the Scottish reels, so things like a dashing white sergeant and things mm. like that. It's a nice, brisk two four. So you've gone through a slightly, you know, a slightly jazzy or a 3-4 tondu, and then you can go straight into your first quick exercise and there's a nice quick sort of 2-4 real jetty mm-hmm. for me. Do you like um, uh, Adam's Families and Pink Panther and all yeah. that tunes yeah. are always fun? Yeah. I love a good Pink Panther. <laughs> yeah. Some, something, I mean, something nice and, and bouncy. I always play um, When I See an Elephant Fly from Dumbo. Oh, That's a good little cute. bouncy tune. But then for for tondus as well, I like to get all you know the tangos out, a cell block tango mm. and um, Hernando's hideaway from the pajama game. Liber tango, Liber tango, la campanella, all those lovely things. I feel oh, like when nice I use a tango, drama. I feel like nice when I use one, a be tango. Sorry, Georgia. Oh, no, I'm you're right. You're right. Sorry. No, you're sorry. Fine. no, no. I, I've actually never done an interview with multiple people. So this is a new experience for me, guys. <laughs> no, I was going to say that um, I love using a tango because I feel like the vibe, especially in adult ballet room, 
it just goes like from zero to a hundred. Like everyone just feels really sexy doing it. So mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone that's gets what very I do. excited. It's good. Yeah, that's what I'll do for a tondo. I'll play something swingy and jazzy on the first side, and if there's a suitor new to second side, I'll play something like a tango and just see that the you know the energy of the room really change. Yeah, it's a good little, good little trick. Stranger with the way they, the way they yeah, they go an inch it's taller. It's just, so much yeah. fun. Especially mm. when people don't know it's coming as well. It's something like, what the? Is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> now, yeah, let's go. Let's move into Rondijon. I love Rondijon. Mm. I love Rondijon too. I, I know what you're going to say. La la la. Oh, la, la, la. Okay. <laughs> what did you think? I thought we were both going to say Schindler's List because we both love it. No, that's Pardot for me. Okay. <laughs> I even thought you were both going to say Schindler's List because I've heard you say it on the pod. <laughs> and we both we, we both did our version and put it on our website as well. We did. <laughs> yeah. It's so but La La Land's beautiful. Yeah. And the way yeah, Kiko like plays it is stunning as well. That is bougie. Yeah. She <laughs> plays it like she's got six yeah. hands. It's wonderful. Um, Sleepy Lagoon, Eric Coates, are the theme to um, Desert Island Discs, I quite like. Or <gasps> Charlie and the Chocolate oh, Factory. Oh, yeah. Two completely opposite ends, but I like them both. Yeah. I How good is Desert like... Island Discs? Mm. <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, also, I, I also like like putting a, a little bit ballet in, like, um, in a Scottish dance. Oh, Scottish uh, dances, the adage from the middle. They, yeah, um, or like Malcolm Arnold. Yeah, or like Solidaire. So it's not a major, major ballet tune, but a bit of ballet tune, and it makes some teachers smile as well. Because then you can mm. go from your sort of, you know, like you, you're almost waltzy left hand, and then you know that the border bra is coming. That's so you can stick in that key change and get the left hand running up and down. It's the first sort of opportunity to open up mm. musically and dynamically. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I'm often using recorded music more so than not, yeah. unfortunately. I'm always so sad if I'm using a playlist and for Rondejean, there's no music left over at the it end for a portabra and it stops and I go, uh, and I turn around to the class and I go, sorry, I'll just hit replay. <laughs> it's so mm. sad. <laughs> it just Rondejean's such a long exercise. Yeah, it's yeah. such a long exercise. Don't mm. worry, Chris, your Rondejean um music is perfect <laughs> good <Indeed>. length <laughs> yes <laughs> now let's go on to let's go to grand batman i love a good grand batman mine's a traditional scottish one it's called the thistle of scotland and it's only because i used to work with the Cayley band so and they've got some really good marches in traditional scottish folk music so i've ended up nicking a load of that from the Cayley band into my ballet repertoire what's a Cayley band so Kaylee is a traditional Scottish dance, so it's usually oh. um, violins and accordions and basses and drums, and it's basically barn dance music. What about you, Matt? For Crom Batman, um, I love playing Dance of the Nights from Romeo and Juliet because it's such a nice, strong uh. march. I love playing that. Um, also, I play, you know, we have waltzes um, for Grand Batman, the, uh, the the theme from Carousel, or those, any of those, you know, the Richard Rogers waltzes, they work yeah. for, because they're nice, you know, strong accents and lots of really lovely melody. Um, so, yeah, I play a lot of those as well. Yeah. Mm, Akiko? Well, I like making hashtag David D. Albin Instagram, so 
I like playing for sun, uh, playing Thunderbird for him. Oh, he loves the oh, Thunderbird. Oh, he loves the Thunderbird theme. <laughs> so I like playing that and make him smile. <laughs> if it's three, um, I recently liked the Game of Thrones theme tune. And so let's move into a bit of centre practice. So when you've got the dance coming into the centre and they're about to do, say, a quarter bra, what sort of your vibe you want to get going in the room and what music do you choose? I think for Paul de Bras, I want my melodies to follow the dancer's arms if possible. So if the arms are down and when they go up, you know, to um, the chest height or higher above the head, I want the melodies. I want to try and get my melodies to follow that. That's my sort of way in Ah. to keep concentrated. So musically and choreographically, there's that similarity going on. So I try and pick things that will follow that. It doesn't always work, but I'll try or pick up a highlight. So I know that halfway through the choreographic phrase and halfway through the musical phrase, the highlights or the climaxes will be the same. That's what I try mm. and do. It doesn't always try work, and marry your music with the choreography. Yeah. 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 See, same, what you just, see what you just said then is a perfect example of why your profession, guys, is just so amazing <laughs> because that's incredible. Like so many people will say, you know, because over here obviously I'm using recorded music a lot of the time and if I'm chatting to someone about, oh, I'm trying to find a ballet pianist to come play for us and, oh, I know Joe down the road that plays piano and I'm like, no, 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 like it doesn't, no, yeah. they need to be a, a ballet pianist and, you know, that was a perfect example of why Joe down the road can't play piano for my class. Yeah. <laughs> because- we discovered a lot between the three of us when we recorded the first season because we didn't realize actually how much all three of us love particular exercises and mm. why we love it it was only because we sat chatting about it we realized actually oh that's why we love it and that yeah. you know these ones that we love more than other actors like plies was a total it was almost like an orgy of love wasn't it between the three <laughs> of us and the ballet exercise <laughs> So we were like we didn't know and then when we got into um fondues and we were talking about Harpanieras and how it makes you feel and what you're looking out for in the choreography. It was so much I didn't realize I thought about until we vocalized it. Yeah, and I'll say as well, when I do the job, I don't leave anything to chance. I think about everything. The yeah. what, you know, the accent in the choreography, how I'm gonna accent that in the music, you know, what time of day it is, day of the week, you know, month of the year, who I'm playing for, adults, kids, it it, it it changes your repertoire on how you play it. And going back yeah. to, you know, the first exercise in the center, you know, we look at the bar as a climax up to the grand batman. And then it's two minutes, cool down, towel off, have a drink. And then we start back again with slow music, usually, generally, you know. Mm. And so this is the first time they're on their own two legs and feet with no- holding on to nothing. So you've got to choose. I always sort of choose music that's not too intrusive, not too big. That's going to make them emote something in the center. Cause if they're using their port de bras and their backs and their heads and neck and eyeline and all those things, I want to choose some music that they're, that they're going to enjoy listening to, or they're going to be able to emote to. Yeah, for me, it's always going to be an operatic aria or a you know a love song that's not going to be too intrusive, that's not you know that's not got too much, but or maybe you know a a film theme. So there's something there, Mm. but it's not too intrusive. It's almost where you know you're being supportive for the port de bras in the sense that whereas then when you get to the adage a couple of exercises later, then you can start to fill out the room a little bit Mm. more. That's the way I think about it anyway. Yeah, Mm. yeah, because also from the centre now, the class then builds. 
before we then we stop and then the jumps go back to small jumps. So we have, you know, port de bras, center practice, pirouettes, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, towel off, have a minute, then we'll start doing jumps in first and then the jumps get bigger. So the bar has mm. a climax, a journey, the center does and the jump section does. Mm. So this, you know, there's three sort of parts to class really. And I always sort of make the music sort of follow that. Yeah, I think what's so pattern. fantastic about the podcast is that your podcast is that it really highlights the care that goes into playing for class. I think a lot of outsiders wouldn't think about it. They would just see the pianist as just sitting there playing and that's pretty, sort of like watching dancers, oh, that's pretty, not realising yeah. the intricacies that, that, that are behind that and the depth of, of knowledge that it requires. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure all pianists care, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good ones <laughs> mm. um okay so let's go into in the center I want to move on to like pirouettes and a waltz like what what are your go-tos there pirouette if it's a waltz for me it's it depends is it going to be a waltz or a mazurka but the one that you can almost make work for both of them is going to be the queen song uh, no one but you only the good die young that's mm. my go-to. It sounds uh, really, it sounds really depressing. Yeah, the title, but it's not. You can play it as a really <laughs> nice waltz. If you, if you don't know it, have a listen to it. It's really pretty. Because it goes on forever as well. So I might put like some tunes here and there, but I tend to improvise and change the key and change the rhythms. And you, when you get to, boring. When you get to pirouettes, you could be playing for quite a while. So you need several yeah. tunes up your sleeve. Yeah. Lots of B sections, lots of improvisations. It, de it depends what it is. I always play, um, oh God, I can't, I can't ever remember the name of it. Is it the Ivan Novello? What is it, Chris? Waltz of My Heart. Oh, Waltz of My Heart, yeah. Yeah, Ivan Novello. That's such a sweet, pretty tune that I always play. That's one of my little go-to for pirouettes. I like the um, the piano concerto number one, Tchaikovsky, because that's slow and yeah. weighty mm. as well. And if it's a pirouette exercise with open pirouettes or big extensions in it, and they want something that's you know a little broader, that always works quite nice. And it's mm. got the definite you know beats in the bar in there as well. And uh, Grand Allegro. Let's go. I'm going to skip pity. Let's go Grand. <laughs> Grand Allegro. Actually, no, I shouldn't I skip Petty Allegro because that's heart. got really fun so, things. I was going to say, it's got some really fun tunes for Petty, actually. I don't know why I skipped it. <laughs> I've just got so much I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not okay, going to bed anytime soon, don't worry. Yeah. Let's go quicker. Let's speed it up. Okay, right. Instant reaction, Petty Allegro, go. Family Guy theme tune, Moon Dance, or The Catharsis Reel. Those are my three. Google them. They're all I brilliant. like, <laughs> yep, In the Mood by Glenn Miller. I Got Rhythm. All the Irving Berlin stuff works. Um, I, I play You've Got a Friend in Me from Aladdin because that's really bassy as well. Little for, yeah. you know, the like print alley, putting on the that. Ritz. Yeah, putting on the Ritz or stuff like that. Mm. Gosh, Christmas coming up with the title. Come on, quick fire. Keep I can't going. even remember the name of half of my gym. I'm the name of the title. I like, I, I like the Monster Inc. Monster Inc. Yeah, Monster yeah. Inc. Oh, yeah, I, I like Pizza Hard, not Slice. <laughs> it makes it, it makes the dancer laugh, so I like that too. <laughs> Akiko is just a natural guy. She just plays and it just comes out her fingers, and she doesn't need to think about it. Unlike you two, <laughs> I know. I she's, just never remember the title. And she's got perfect pitch as well, so she can just play everything from hearing it. When we've got to put the stuff together for the CD, and Akiko will record something. 
And I'll say, okay, right, that's really good. What is it? And we've had one for the second CD and Akiko's been playing it for a decade and she never knew what it was called. So we had to rely on Akiko typing the notes into I had YouTube. I had the notes on the Google <laughs> to find out what tune it was. <laughs> and did you work it out? Yes. We got there in the end, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What a blessing, but a curse, Akiko. <laughs> Being so talented. <laughs> I had a tiger, mum. <laughs> okay, Grundalegro. First instinct, oh. go. Walter I my heart, play- Ivan Avello. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, v- a from Kiss Me K. Another, you know, that's Cole Porter. Another huge waltz. Mm. The Strauss waltzes as well. They all work for um, for Grundalegro. I don't know about yeah. you two, but I avoid Tchaikovsky ballet waltzes at all costs, unless it's sort of like lower, smaller kids in a vocational school. And you sort of like and you're teaching them about the every classics. now and then just yeah. for fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. avoid at all costs. Mm. And why do you avoid it at all costs, Chris? <laughs> because if you're, if you're in company and you yeah. play something from Nutcracker or something from Sleeping Beauty or something from Swan Lake, the dancers walk off and don't come back and finish class. Yeah, yes. you've got to pick the re- you've got to pick the repertoire so carefully, haven't you? Especially when you're playing for company. A company yes. class, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas I think if you were actually say playing for one of my adult ballet classes, they would yeah. love that they because love, yeah. they would, yeah. if you're playing yes. for an adult ballet class, like, yeah. ballet theme is actually fun for that. Yeah, yes, especially a beginner class. Like I can I can find this playlist and I'm like so excited by it because it's like new and a bit funky and and then. I play like a, and, and the, the, you know, the adults are like, oh yeah, okay. And then I'll pick an album that's just like the classics, like Swan, like yeah. Giselle, Paleo. It's just like one classic after another. And they walk out of class going, that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. If you've got Waltz of the Hours going into like the, the yeah. big Swan Lake Waltz, into Sleeping yeah. Beauty, yeah. into the finale Waltz of Nutcracker for an adult ballet class, you're onto a winner. Yeah. Oh, they, they love it. And I'm sitting there going, this is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, com- that comes back to what we said earlier, doesn't it? Briefly about reading the room and knowing who you're yes. playing for and knowing what your mm. audience is and who you're catering for. Mm. Exactly. And I think that rule also applies to teachers too, because I find that I get asked a lot of the time about my adult ballet classes by other teachers and they're like, you know, what's, what's the keys to success with them? And I actually think it's just reading the room. Like a beginner yeah. class will love that classic playlist, whereas an advanced class, they'll be like, no, no, something a bit funky is really fun. So, mm, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It now, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and guess what your what your most popular episode is. You ready? Okay. I could of be wrong. Podcast. Of okay. your podcast. I think I know. I'm, I'm guessing it could be the misunderstandings and miscommunication one. That's really the reason. Yeah. Oh, you, you'll yeah. know this. You're, have you got the stats, Chris? He does. I just yeah. put the stats on my phone there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because what? I find with a title like that, so many people would have probably done what I did, where I clicked that one first. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah I loved it. So much goes wrong, and people want to know. know. Oh, well, what's that horror story? Or what happened? You know, and we have we all we've all got the stories. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. What I know. wanted to, yeah, what I wanted to do was, um, if you all have in mind just one particular story that you're allowed to tell that springs to mind about a misunderstanding or miscommunication that happened in class, you don't have to use names. Uh, I can tell yeah. one without names and without mentioning a company. 
Go. Okay, I was playing a full call of a score. I'm not going to mention the ballet or the country, but I was playing a full call of a score late in an afternoon. And was I think I was going for... It He's was in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Europe. And I was probably playing the Saturday evening tempo and I wasn't, I hadn't read the room and I hadn't catered for the fact that it was a Wednesday evening somewhere and it was cold and nobody was happy. And I just went in with the happy, go lucky tempos and it was too fast. And I hadn't read that because I was still young and I wasn't watching and I was stopped by an artistic director who was either male or female and told in front of a company that, Chris, sometimes you're not very good. And that killed me in front of a company of 45 people. And then the apology came a couple of days later. And I'd spoken with colleagues then, and they were like, look, you've just got to accept that you've got to learn to read it. And that's when I learned to read the room and not just read the score. So he so that, said and to that you, was a really some, difficult lesson. So he said, sometimes you're not very good. Is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he <laughs> said. And when he apologized to me a couple of days later, it was, you know, I was still really young. I was a late teenager. I thought I knew the world, but I was probably very cocky as well. And I used to smoke so many cigarettes at this time. As well. <laughs> and I was outside having a cigarette. And this, was, this artistic director came to speak to me. He's like, Chris, you are good. What I meant to say is sometimes your tempo choices are not always very good. He's like, but I, I said it wrong. And he, was, and he used the example of um, looking at Italians or Spanish people speaking to each other. And as being from England, you can watch them going, da, 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 and you think they're arguing. Actually, what they're saying is, we love you very much. And he used that example. I was like, that's not really what you said, is it? But <laughs> it was just, a, that was an example for me of miscommunication, but for me not watching and having to learn and being kicked in the stomach because I thought I was doing great. I'm surprised he apologized. He or she apologized to you. Yeah. They, this person he did. did. Really. No, they didn't. They didn't need to apologize, but they did. And then suddenly, t- after two days of you know of crying almost and thinking I'm not good enough for this, I'm going to have to go and find something else to do. Was okay. Oh. It's not just about playing the piano. It's about it's about learning how to deal with people. It's about dealing with emotions, not taking things too personally, not taking things to heart. You know. And I think I was 20 when that happened. And I remember it now. I remember the emotion. I remember everything about it. But mm-hmm. I've learned so much from it as well, you know, good and bad. So there's, there's a lot to learn. And that was miscommunication. I don't have, like, such, like, amazing story. But I think beginning when I started my job, uh, I think I, everything English-related, um, because, you know, I, I was, like, past second year in England, uh, my English was so, so some of the things the teacher said in the class, I just had to pretend that I understand. Tell tell but the listeners I... tell the listeners about and what. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, that's the, a big miscommunication. Was, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, like teach the and, and I didn't know what I'm supposed to do. And then the teacher said, "Okay, got a little bit steadier," but I didn't quite understand the meaning of steady. So I just smiled back and said, okay. And I keep playing, but without like slowing down or anything. <laughs> I, I did that for quite a long time. But, you know, you know, being a ballet pianist, you're not the position to stop and ask a question really in the ballet studio. No. So I just had to kind of pretend that I understand and I just deliver somehow. So I think there were lots of things that I didn't understand. And then, you know, you had to just kind of swallow it. 
the other yeah. one I still struggle is uh, I can't pronounce reverence very well. Reverence. 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 And I sometimes want to ask the teacher, or oh, do you want to reverence? And then every time I ask, they're like, pardon? <laughs> so I just gave up asking it now. The bow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just can't say that's cute. We have um, we have uh, theory tests with our ballet exam students. The examiner will ask them what the different words mean. And with our primaries, they're asked what reverence means. And the cutest thing happened. This child goes, it means thank you, Miss Georgia. Oh. <laughs> oh and the, uh, the examiner was like, oh, I have to give it to her. Like, I can't, oh. I can't say no, that's yeah. not the meaning. Oh, so well, you, you know, you bow, you're thanking the audience, essentially, aren't yeah. you? The other day, I very rarely play for young dancers anymore, just because it just doesn't seem to feature a lot in my life at the moment, which is a shame. And an ex-student contacted me and she's like, oh, will you play for some of my classes? You know, they're only young, they're only nine and ten. Yeah, why not? I've got loads of time on my hands at the moment and it'll be fun. And halfway through the class, this little girl, she's eight or nine, she unmutes herself. She's like, I really like the music. Chris is the best pianoist I have ever heard. I was like, the best pianoist. I love you forever. You are my favorite person. Matt, give us a misunderstanding and miscommunication story. Give us one a juicy this, one. Come on. One of the stories that all, I've said this on the podcast and I've got a couple yeah. actually, but the one that really always sticks in my mind is I was playing for a company class in London um, and I it, the, the dancers are doing the small jumps coming across from the back of the room and I'm sort of, I think I was playing a rag or something, swingy, something jazzy. And then one of the dancers pops her head around the piano and said, oh, and it was I was playing in a two, four, like a rag or something. And the dancer pops her head around the piano and says, oh, I think we need this on a 2-4. Is that all right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm already playing a 2-4. And then, and then she sings what she wants. And she sings, um, is, it, is it the peasant part of there from Giselle? Yeah, and we know that as a quick 6-A. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, I'm just going to give you what you've sung to me. So that's that's what I play as, you know, she's gone back to do her bit. And, of course, it's not right. It's not right. She's miscommunicated the wrong thing to me. And then the teacher's like, slow it down, slow it down. So it's getting worse. It's getting worse. I'm looking at the dancers. They're looking at me. Dancers are walking off and not doing the exercise. There's a lot of eye rolling. And I just want to climb up on top of the piano and get in and just have it swallow me yeah. because I was mortified. <laughs> and you just, like you say, you don't want to ask questions and say, do you mean this? Do you mean that? You just sort of just do it and find your way through it. Yeah. But another, another, another quick one as well. Same, same company. And the teacher set um, a relevant exercise on point, and it should have been up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Let's say, but she sort of set it in half time, up and up and down and down and up and up and down and down on point. Yeah. Like you know, arabesques on point. <laughs> and so I just could not play quick enough because the dancers couldn't <laughs> stay up on point. And, you know, and I was thinking, um, cha, um, cha, um, cha, um, cha. I was playing as quick as I could. And I thought, okay, once we stopped and go around to the second side, I'll change it up or play something like a bit of a polka or something just so they can find the up and down. Yeah. Like, oh, no, 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 play what you played, play what you played. And I'm thinking, and the dancers, again, walking off, rolling their eyes, leaving the room. Um, 
Yeah, I know. I can't play it again. I've got cramping all ten fingers. And I couldn't. Hands. I couldn't play quick enough, and still, it wasn't quick enough for them because they were in half time to what I was to what I was playing. Yeah. And it, I was, I was, my heart's going. Up. I'm sweating. I'm like, when is this minutes going to be up? Yeah. It's the worst, so worst feeling that stories. when the teacher said something and that you know it's wrong and it's the wrong accent, <laughs> the wrong timing, but you still yeah. have to do it and you know it's going to go disaster. It's just more yeah. feeling, isn't it? So we've we've yeah. had these discussions sometimes on the podcast, haven't we? And, I've, and it turns out I'm, I'm too vocal and I, and I'll shout things and help. And the, yeah, Georgia, you don't want him in the, in the studio. Yes, you do. He's oh, a, no, you he's know a what? distraction. He's a distraction. See, a, I... A good, a good I one, but... Yeah, I would love that. Like, because I would love that banter backwards and forwards with the pianist to help me and to, like, for me to learn. But I can definitely see how there would be teachers that definitely do not want any feedback whatsoever. This is how I get it. And you're going to follow that. (laughs) Yeah, they would. He can be very (laughs) difficult. Yeah. No, it can can be be very difficult when you don't like it. No, but last week, it wasn't my fault. Okay, yeah, this is like up to the minute misunderstanding. (laughs) And because in the UK, we're all on Zoom and we've all had to play on Zoom right the way through 2021. And the teacher says, okay, so the usual pour de bras and listen to the music and you'll know when the the phrase is going to finish and then you'll move around to the second side. I said, okay, well, that's relatively straightforward until you've got students that take either... 16 bars or 24 bars or 32 bars to do their pour de bras and then they move around to the second side so you can see that every four bars students less than starting the ronde de jambe mm. on the second side that's like how can i help this so mm. i thought okay right, i'll do another miscommunication yeah miscommunication so I thought, i'll do 32 bars but for the last four bars or eight bars i just come into the microphone and i was like eight Seven, six, five, <laughs> four. Get ready, left side, and teacher, thanks for your help. Here we go. <laughs> so, so basically, Chris, you're like a DJ. It was, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to give him an, You can't give him an inch in class because he'll take a mile. You can, but with yeah. the same teacher, they were doing the kids that bless them. They're doing frappes, and they're in their balance, and they're working on their pity batter mom, but. I think they were confused between beats and counts and it hadn't been clarified by the teacher. Yeah. So mm-hmm. again, some of them, you know, 18, sorry, 8, 16, 24 or 32. How mm-hmm. can I help? That I can't can, really do the countdown I... again because I've used that card now. So what I did was <laughs> so many glissandos followed up with and I just come in with hey! And off we went. <laughs> Go, if I can oh just God, jump in, so the, you know, the parallel rises, which have started in Australia and worked its way across the world. Yes. It, some dancers do them in half time and double time and some do them quicker. And then when you're playing for it and they're changing leg and half of them haven't. And you just end up just keeping playing until they look like they've all stopped. Yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. don't know yeah. if they're doing 16. Some some teachers say, can we have 20 on the left, 20 on the right? And it's like, yeah. 20? <laughs> I've got to add like, random bars mean? of yeah. music. Just do yeah. 16 and then change, you know? So that's another one. I'm, yeah, we, I actually don't teach any classes nowadays without a calf rise exercise. It's just 
it's just a staple now. It's like eating your mm. greens. But yeah. um, I'm always very specific with the class, even the advanced classes um, where I have, you know, ex-professional dancers in them. And I will be very specific. Like I want this up and two and three and four and down and two, like really slow, or I'll be like, we're going fast. And sometimes what I will do is I'll actually play because I'm using recordings, usually one of Chris's CDs, um, and I will be, <laughs> I will be, and I will play the tempo, and I'll just quickly like demo with my hand so that the whole room knows exactly what what we're going with. So yeah, no, yeah. that would be very confusing if everyone's doing completely different mm. different exactly speeds. What you just said, Georgia, is what we need as musicians. I think what the what the dancers need, you know, whether you are using pre-recorded music or you're using a pianist or whoever is just that explanation down and then mm. everybody knows and there is no confusion and it makes the class mm. you know that extra 10 or 20 seconds you take to explain your exercise removes yeah. so much confusion mm. later on so you know all right yeah take 10 or 20 seconds but what you gain so you lose 10 or 20 seconds but you gain so much later yeah. on don't you and it, mm. it's yeah. just so much better I don't everybody. even yeah, I don't even think you lose time because you end up not having to perhaps stop and repeat or yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. doing it again. Yeah, it's funny. I never played a musical instrument growing up, but one thing I've been blessed with is really good musicality. And the funniest thing was that I just thought that everybody had that. And so when I started <laughs> teaching and I maybe witnessed other teachers before me, before I had my classes or as a studio owner when I started employing people and I would be sitting at the back of class going, they didn't even count a, a single part of that exercise. I don't understand. And then the students have yeah. no idea what they're doing. And I'm just like, and then I realized that was kind of normal. <laughs> I think I'm an ab abnormal teacher sometimes in regards to that. Yeah. Take, I take so long talking about musicality. Um, I don't know. It just makes the class flow better. It hurts me to see people out of time with the music. <laughs> hurts my heart. Too. <laughs> you, can, you can do the exercise better, no? Like a technique. Yeah. You, can, you can, you know, practice the technique yeah. better if you know yeah. right. Yeah. But you say that extra time that you give, it gives it for everything. It, for us as a pianist, it means that we know exactly how long we're going to play for. We know if we've got an eight or a 16 count balance in the end, or if you put a porter bar in, we know if you're going to go around to the second side or not. So then when you've set mm -hmm. that at the start, you know, you've explained it, we're going through the repertoire. We've planned the exercise now ahead. So you're getting the best out of us. You're going to get the best out of the students and the dancers. It's just it makes it so much better. The, the few times I've had a pianist live in the studio, it's so sad, guys. I have the most beautiful piano in the studio, but to get a ballet pianist is so difficult where I am. Um, but the few times it does get played, um, I tend to, and I don't realise I'm even doing it, when I set an exercise, I sing, and I will sing a particular tune, and the pianist will look at me and be like, so do you want me to play, like, that song? And I'm like... Oh no, it's okay. You can play whatever you want. Like, yeah. and so I'm, I'm just, I'm just singing. For example, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody whilst I'm giving a plie, and um, and yeah, it's really funny. They're like, so do you want me to play that exact song? And I'm, and I didn't even realize I was singing it. But yeah, I. Yeah, but then you can go with that. We know what you're thinking here, so we can either yeah. get, okay, yeah. right, we might play that, or you can use it as a starting block for the first side, and then you, you end up God knows where for the second side. Or you go, okay, right, that's just the flavor, isn't mm. it? The, the flavor. Mm. Yeah. One thing that we we suggest to ballet t ballet teachers is just use your voice as much as possible. That gives mm. us everything that we need to know in terms of style and and tempo, and that's all the information we need. So 
singing is is the best thing you can do I have one last little question for you guys I sometimes especially because I do teach lots of adults sometimes I will have someone either send me an email or come into class with a song suggestion and they're like can we do port bras to example tiny dancer I get tiny dancer all the time it's really bizarre and they expect yeah and they expect me to just sort of play Elton John's Tiny Dancer and choreograph on the spot a port bras to it and what I try and explain and I don't think I do a very good job of it is the squaring off of ballet class music can you explain that to the listeners so that then I have something that I can either play for them or (laughs) I can just copy (laughs) your answer because I find it difficult to be like it doesn't really work like that like we can't take Britney Spears toxic and just play that in class it has to be a ballet version (laughs) I was just going to say as musicians we we think in terms of dancers phrasing and not all music fits in, in dancers' phrasing. You know, it's in eight count phrases usually, you know, 16 and, and so on and so on. And so not all music fits into that phrasing, you know. And as musicians, we'll either add music, add bars of music or take bars of music away so it fits into the eight count phrases of a choreographed exercise is mm. sort of the simplest way to explain it, isn't it? Before, well before I moved to London, I was trying to work out and squaring off, as we call it, you know, so making things square, making things into eight counts. And so I was squaring off some Iron Audi music, you know, which was, it's not the height of great music, but, you know, there was a time in the mid, 2000s and the mid oh yeah early noughties when people yeah. yeah when people really wanted Iron Audi so I and I yeah. so I was at home writing stuff out listening to it and I was practicing things going through things getting it into my head and I was like oh do you know what I could stick a couple of these on my CD because people like it and it might increase sales and my then girlfriend who didn't know a lot she looked at me and she said yeah but people are not going to pay for you you when they could just pay the same amount for the real one are they i was like yeah but what you're missing is the total point which is it's specifically for ballet you know it's yeah. the phrasing yeah. is right mm. it's very sometimes hard to explain to especially a beginner to the world mm. of ballet that i can't just take whatever song you fancy and just <laughs> pop it into class yeah. it doesn't quite work like that yeah mm. um, it just basically has to be eight pounds times yeah, so it's got to be, it's usually, it's eight times a square number, isn't it? So it's eight times two, eight times four, eight times eight, or eight times 16, or eight times 32. That's it. It's yeah. that sort of thing. Well, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much. I honestly do think that your podcast is like the coolest educational resource. I, myself Aww. as a teacher, have honestly actually even learned so much from listening to it. And even the way that I now explain as I take class sometimes, you know, I've brought even more musicality into my classes and that was literally influenced by your podcast. So thank you so much. Aww, it has been a pleasure. You, you guys, been you guys pleasure. are like, yeah, you guys are like celebrities in my world. So I was just thrilled to talk oh. to you today. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using your um, albums, Chris, for years. And so when I came across the podcast and I'm looking at, I'm like looking at, the podcast names, the, the hosts, and I'm like, Chris Hobson, that, that name rings a bell. And then I'm literally like playing one of my albums during class and I look and I'm like, 
oh my god and I just had this like moment <laughs> and I was like I was like it's him and I was like and I put all the dots together and I went home and googled and I was like oh this makes so much sense now and then it's funny how that when that true happened that he's very famous in Australia Oh, like probably Bali. not, but no. No, because no, no, yeah, yeah, it's that person you've been getting. Yeah, you didn't just say bleep that. No, 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 no. somebody. Yeah, somebody who from uh, who teaches uh, in Australia somewhere came to London, and then she yeah. discovered that this one was the CRISPR and Hobson, and yeah. she was like. Yeah. Oh my God, got your CD. Like, we have to take a selfie and I'm going to tell everybody that I met you. I was like, are you famous? You know what? <laughs> yeah, you know what it probably is? It's probably because in Australia, like I was saying, we have such a lack of ballet-specific pianists. It's not, it's not really a thing here. Um, it's an it's even smaller profession in Australia. And obviously because we're all so, so spread out in this country, mm. we don't, they, they couldn't, you know, just travel around as easily as probably you can in, in Europe. So um, we all rely on having beautiful albums to play in class. And I don't even know what teachers did before Spotify <laughs> because mm. that would have been a nightmare. I mean, I do remember my ballet teachers just using the exact same CD over and over again for like years. But yeah, so that's probably a lot of people here know all that, Chris. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not that long ago. I remember when I first started releasing albums that I was shipping them from my home. In fact, well, I still live with my parents when I did the first few albums. And I was yeah. shipping, you know, like CDs in boxes of 50 and 100 over to Australia and America and South America. And that was 2018. So it's not that long ago, you know, before Spotify and iTunes and all the rest of them all really took off and streaming mm. really hit the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank, I I'm so lucky that I'm in this part of my teaching career <laughs> where I didn't have yeah. to I don't think I, we don't even have a CD player like it's not even a thing but um but yeah mm. thank you guys so much I'm going to direct everyone not that I haven't already been doing it a million times to your podcast because uh, I think it's amazing oh, but it's been an absolute so pleasure give us a shout you know post when the world is spinning again give us a shout and we'll do a we'll do this but for the ballet piano podcast and we'll all get in the same room and then we can celebrate with a Prosecco afterwards that would be very good thank you love a good Prosecco but yeah I will let you guys go to bed <laughs> and I will get on with my morning <laughs> oh have a lovely day Brilliant. oh